up all those in Congress, our president, everybody who surrounds him and advises him. We pray that they would know you and have your wisdom. Lord, we just pray that, that our president, this current president we have, Donald Trump, would receive the wisdom of God for all the decisions that he makes. Lord, I know just by seeing some of the tweets and some of the things that he says, he, he doesn't walk in every aspect of, of righteousness. So we just pray that he come, that you would draw him, that he would come closer and closer in, in his knowledge and faith in you. I know he believes in you. I know he's a believer. I know he's saved. People have testified to the fact they've prayed for him. He received Christ as his Lord and Savior. But there's still some work to be done in him as well as all of us. So we just thank you for that, for doing that work. And, and in those congressmen and women, Lord, we ask you to just give them wisdom. Bring the, We ask you to draw them to you so they'd come to the place of knowing you as their Lord and Savior as well. We just pray that for all those in Washington, all those here in Texas that rule over us and make decisions on our behalf and on our, on our well-being. We pray that they would know you as Lord and Savior and may, be able to make right decisions and righteous decisions in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 That's so true, isn't it? Amen. Continuing in the series, we're on part four today, the series of uh, passionately, it's called Passionately Presenting the, the Grace and Truth of God. Now listen, we went to that, uh, is anybody left in here that went to the conference with me? No, they're all gone. They're all out. But anyway, their whole theme was exactly what I'm preaching right now. Presenting the grace and truth of God. One, one preacher, Dwayne Sheriff, I don't know if y'all have ever listened to Dwayne Sheriff, but you can Google him. They were telling me, you can Google anything nowadays. But you could Google this guy named Dwayne Sheriff. He's out of Oklahoma. He pastors about, I think they said 11 or 12 different churches, campuses around Oklahoma that he has, you know, scattered around there. But, he was preaching on this very topic about the culture war that we're in uh, here in the United States and how we need to address the issues. But he said, he said, if you if you just preach truth without grace, it's just mean. Grace alone to people is just mean. I mean, no truth alone, truth, truth. If you just preach the truth of God's word to people without the grace, you might as well just. Don't do it, because it's mean. The truth hurts people. And, the, and listen, Jesus himself said, the Bible has come. I didn't come to, to bring peace but a sword. You remember? He said that. And it's going to be hard for some people to accept the truth without grace. So he said, don't ever present the truth without the grace. But because Jesus came. It says in John 1.17, Jesus came. In grace and truth. He brought grace and truth. Grace and truth. Grace and truth are always together. Always together. You need to know that. Grace and truth always together. Amen? Remember that. When you're witnessing to people, always remember. Grace and truth. Grace and truth. Together. Amen? Because there's enough of this. Y'all ever heard of that Westover Baptist Church? They would, they would picket and boycott, or not, not boycott, but they would picket at every funeral, these uh, soldiers coming home, and they'd have their services. And there they'd be out there calling, calling them uh, uh, 
I don't know, sinners and filthy, stinking sinners have signs up and everything. You know, just crazy. They were just ruining, you know, ruining the grace message. You know, hollering at people. And it was terrible. But, but you, need to, you need to have, when you present truth to people, there needs to be grace. And that's to me how the church, and the church has messed up over the years. And why a lot of people hate Christians is because we haven't been presenting the gospel with grace. The truth with grace. Amen? So I want to continue building the foundation that our, our Christian worldview is based upon and, and, uh, and why it is important for us to understand where the opposing worldviews come from. Uh, it's not just a coincidence that the progressive worldview is anti-Christian or anti-God. We see here in America that all a lot of the progressive uh, politicians want to do is take God out of, out of everything. Remove all the symbols of God. Take all the crosses out. Uh, they're going to have a chore at the Arlington Cemetery. I've been there. And it's full of crosses. Thousands and thousands of crosses. And we're just not about to let that happen. Amen? We're just not going to let that happen. So, regardless of whether you're, whether the non-Christians or the unbelievers realize it or not, the reason we as Christians face tremendous opposition is because our adversary, the devil, is doing his best to convince the world that they don't need God. Colossians 2.8, let's start there. Colossians 2.8, this is from the New Living Testament. Says uh, New Living Translation says, Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers or principles of this world rather than from Christ. Where there is genuine faith in God, there is also counterfeit. And Satan has always used the same methods of attacking God's creation with these questions. Did God really say? Are you sure the Bible is true? Christianity is just a crutch. Just enough life. No, it says, no, just enjoy life as much as you can while you're here on the earth. Because when you die, that's it. That's a lie. Uh, Much doubt has been purposely and strategically blasted into the minds of people in our world since the beginning of time, really. And that's the very reason there are so many thousands of religions and philosophies in our world today. There's only one true God view. And millions of, of man's ideas and faiths and false beliefs, and they have all been instigated by Satan himself, all of them. Man's attempt to discover and find God is called religion. Here's my statement. It's in my notes, I think. Yeah. Man's attempt to discover and find God is called religion. God's pursuit and love for mankind is called Christianity. That's what true Christianity is. It's not, it's not, it is a religion, but it's not about religion. It's about relationship. And we say this all the time, but it's so true. You know, to me, Christianity is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle that we live. It's not a religion that we abide to. It's a lifestyle that we live. Amen? So, so you need to see it that way. Quit seeing it as a religion. You know, 
They put that on a lot of cards where you fill out a voter card or something. It always has religion down. What religion are you? And I, I always put Christian. I don't put Christianity. I put Christian. Because it's not my religion. That's my faith. That's who I am. I'm a Christian. Amen? And, 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 and Christianity is all about faith in God through an incredible, indescribable, and loving relationship. You will never, let me just tell you, you will never experience the fullness of Christianity until you begin with the relationship with Christ. Amen? Man, I ought to wrote these things down. Same thing, they just pop out. But being a Christian isn't about changing your outward appearance. You know? No matter, God doesn't care what you look like. You know? He doesn't care if you're ugly, fat, skinny, tall, short, bald-headed. He don't care. Amen. A Christian is about your relationship. It's not about what you do or how you act. No, it's not. If you don't change the wrong concepts and the belief system on the inside, in your heart, then you're going to have the same results in your life that you had before you were saved. So it's about a transformation of your heart and your mind. The renewing of your mind, a transformation of your heart. That's what makes a Christian live it out when those changes begin to take place inside. That's why God gave us His Word to change the way we think. If you want to change your life, change the way you think. If you want to change your life for Christ, change the way you think about His Word. Amen. It's the Word of God, it contains God's thoughts and His values and His way of thinking. That's what the Bible is all about. And as we read it, we change our minds, our thoughts, and our ways. A way of thinking. And when our minds are renewed by the washing of His Word... That's the path to the God-filled life that belongs to every believer in Jesus Christ. You know, uh, y'all might think I'm somebody special because I'm the pastor and I'm up here preaching and or teaching and and that I'm really I've really got it all together. But I'm still far, far from it. I'm st- I've got a lot. Ask him. No, don't ask him. But there's still a lot for all of us. We, we never arrive. We are always continually a work in progress. Amen. So I'm not trying to tell you that we've got it all together. But, but when our minds are renewed by the washing of His Word, that's the path to the God-filled life that God wants every believer to walk in. That's the truth. Is, is anybody hearing this today? Listen, let me tell you. It doesn't matter a hill of beans... What any society says is right or wrong. We as Christians must follow what God says. Amen. This is the plumb line. This is the the default that we go back to for every issue. Every issue today, even today, is relative. And a warning to anyone who subscribes to the world's view of things instead of God's view, God's Word, The devil is going to steal from you. He's going to rob you. If you think, if you, if you take any other worldview other than Christ's word and his word, his living word, the devil is going to rob you blind. I'm I'm serious. If Satan can cause you to believe anything apart from God's word, God's view of things, he will strip you of your armor, protection, and he'll, he'll, 
uh, he will steal the word from you so that he can plunder your life and steal what Jesus has already won for you. We know that. You always know that. You're experiencing that when you don't listen to the word of God or you don't apply it to your life. You know how he robs you. He takes things from you. He does. Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 7. Let's look at that. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. This is the, uh, uh, is this the Passion the Passion Translation. Constantly be on your guard against phony prophets. They come disguised as lambs, appearing to be genuine. But on the inside, they are like wild, ravenous wolves. 16. You can spot them by their actions, for the fruits of their character will be obvious. You won't find sweet grapes hanging on a thorn bush, and you'll never pick good fruit from a tumbleweed. I like that. So if the tree is good, it will produce good fruit, but if the tree is bad, it will bear only rotten fruit, and it deserves to be cut down and burned. Amen. Do we get them all there? Amen. So the fruit of a tree is directly related to the tree itself. In the same way, you aren't going to get the, the, the fruit of God's blessings if your core belief system is conformed to the world's way of thinking. Now listen to me real carefully on this point. You may want to write this down. You need a Christian philosophy. If you're a Christian, you need a Christian philosophy. You must have a Christian philosophy. If you aren't seeing the fruit in your life that you would like to see, then all you have to do is change the way you think in your heart and adopt God's way of looking at life. How do you think in your heart? We all have a, a heart, right? But we also have a mind. But see, God wants to get the Word of God in your mind and then renew your mind so that your heart is changed. Otherwise, your heart will never get changed. You... you you get, the, you get the word in your mind, then you apply it to your life, you begin to walk it out, and your heart begins to change. If you aren't seeing the fruit in your life that you'd like to see, then all you have to do is change the way you think in your heart and adopt God's way of looking at life. And once you do that, listen, the fruit will come. The fruit will come. Conforming your way of thinking to God's word will bring a harvest of blessings in your life, but they don't all come overnight. It won't just happen overnight. The natural law of sowing and reaping means that it takes time for a seed to grow into a fruit-bearing plant. We all know that. It's similar uh, in the spiritual law of sowing and, and reaping. God can and does provide miracles where there's not time to wait for a harvest. You know, some people get instantly healed when we pray for some people, uh, like healing sickness. But God's best is for you to walk in His blessings daily. Like we said in the in the um, communion, uh, we are, we are to understand the authority that we have and walk in that victory of life. We don't want to get to the place where we need a miracle. Miracles are great, and miracles do happen. But God wants us to fight in faith to so that we don't come to the place where we need a miracle. Amen. So it's better to walk in health and never need healing than it is to get sick and need a miracle. We just need to stay focused on God and meditate on His Word to maintain our Christian perspective and read and reap the fruit God desires for us. Because He wants you to walk in divine health. He does. Just like we confessed at the end of communion there. He wants us to walk in that. It's not just, it's not just for us to, uh, 
declare, but to receive and speak it over our lives and walk in it. Amen. Uh, I told uh, I told Judy this morning. Uh, one pastor said uh, a guy came up to him one time and said, "Were you hanging in there, brother?" And he said, "No, I'm walking in there." So we're not just hanging in there as Christians, but just making it day by day. So I'm, I'm hanging in there. No, no, no. You need to walk in it every day. Every day. Walking in it. That was good. And his name was Purdue, too, that boy. His last name is Purdue. Y'all don't know that's my middle name, Purdue. But uh, I got to meet Lawson Purdue, too. He's one of the preachers that has a church up there that uh, Andrew goes to, I think, attends a lot. But I got to meet him. He's shorter than me. Makes you feel good when you meet somebody shorter than you. I want to come over here to this table. Let's do an arm wrestle and see how. (laughs) Amen. But but to walk in that fruit and to walk in that uh, victory every day, you need to uh, continue in the Word. And in relationship with God. You gotta have that every day. We need that every day. Amen. You, you take, uh, you get up every morning and you eat food, don't you? You eat food to make it through the day. You gotta have that protein. You gotta have your food to keep, keep your body going. Or you just, <laughs> you know, y'all seen that commercial, the three o'clock slump, everybody just falls out at work and the guy says, what is all that? He says, it's a three o'clock slump. But if we don't keep in the word, we're gonna have the three o'clock slump in our spiritual life too. We just collapse. Uh, so another reason why we should care about having a Christian philosophy is that we've been commanded by God to go. We've been commanded by God to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations and all peoples. Amen. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's what we're to do. That's the fruit that we walk in. And uh, that's why we have a Christian philosophy. because that, And that's the great commission that God called us to. He didn't say it was the great suggestion. He says it's the great commission. We can't be silent. We can't be silent. You know, I think a lot of the reasons that the church and this, and this country is in the shape it's in is because the church has been silent about these cultural issues. And that's what uh, Dwayne Sheriff shared a lot about. The church has missed it. And we've allowed the enemy to just be bold and loud and prideful as they can about what they believe is righteous. And the church has just been, well, we don't want to offend anybody by saying anything at church. Because we got to keep their tithes coming in. And, you know, they may not like that, so we just don't want to preach that. What? I'm not going to be silent. I don't know about you. I'm not going to shut up. I'm going to speak up. Amen. And, and grace and truth. Amen. Grace and truth. We can't be silent. Because silent is not who we are as God's children. That's not who we are. We're not silent. When the church is silent, the world, the world view prevails. And we must not be silent. Many people are suffering today in defeat in many ways. And we must bring the liberating truth to them. We must. We must. If we love them, we'll bring the truth to them. For years, the church has been preaching salvation in order to go to heaven when we die. But we haven't been making disciples. We haven't continued in it. Getting people saved is good. It's great. It's a great miracle. We had two little boys get saved this morning. And that's a great miracle of God. But that's not, it doesn't stop there. 
And it shouldn't stop there with us. Isn't that glorious? No, no, no. Let's keep going. Let's teach them the Word of God. Let's develop that. That's why, you know, listen to me. In my, in my opinion of preachers today, we should be teaching more than we should be preaching. And teaching is kind of what I'm doing here this morning. And in the middle of that, I'm preaching too. But, but teaching is what the church needs today. There's a lot of people that are Christians that are attending churches who are ignorant. Because all, the, all they're doing is being entertained every week. They're just being entertained. And, and they need teaching so that they can grow in the understanding of the Word and applying it to their lives. Amen? Many in the church today are truly ignorant of God's values, but many others are willfully ignorant. If, God, if God's values don't fit with their lifestyles, they choose not to subscribe to them to their detriment. You know, sin on this earth today still has consequences. Did you know that? I mean, sin for us has been forgiven and taken care of through Christ. But sin still has consequences even in our lives. So, to help somebody get out of sin, to help lead someone to the truth, and God give them and break that addiction or that, that sin uh, lifestyle off of them, they will continue in it and it, to their detriment. It will ultimately destroy them. Amen. But either way, ignorance isn't good for you. Ignorance isn't good for you. You know, when you run a red light and you tell the, you tell the policeman, well, I didn't know. I didn't know I was supposed to stop at that red light. You're getting the ticket, son. You're still going to get a ticket. The ignorance doesn't help you there. God loves you no matter what because He doesn't relate to us based on our performance. But ignorance isn't going to excuse you from the devil's attacks. Hello. Oh me or oh my. The devil has led people to believe that what you don't know won't hurt you. But the truth is, ignorance kills. Ignorance kills. Hosea 4.6. Y'all all heard this. I know you've read this. Hosea 4.6. Uh, the, the, living test, the living translation says, My people are being destroyed because they don't know me. Because they don't know me. And then the Message Bible says it. I don't need to read all that. Then the Message Bible says, My people are ruined because they don't know what's right or true. It was down the bottom part of that. They don't know what's right or true. The overwhelming majority of abortions are performed on women who aren't married. I don't know if you knew that. They have they are having sexual relations outside of marriage and using abortion as a form of birth control. God's command restricting sex to a marriage relationship is given to protect us emotionally and to protect children. And sadly, 70% of women getting abortions in the U.S. identify themselves as Christians at the time of the abortion. I don't know how many of you, just many of y'all came and attended the uh, South Texas Pregnancy Care Center banquet that we went to. Was it last week, I think? Something like last week or so. And uh, two weeks ago, yeah. Uh, but that, there was a young man that spoke, didn't have any arms. Just feet. 
that he could feed himself with his feet. He, he would go to the car rental place and rent a car. And they would say, what? <laughs> but he'd get in that car and drive it with his feet. And he could button his shirt with his feet. He could do all kinds of things. He, just, he, he didn't give up on life because they, when he was born, this is his testimony, when he was born, the doctor told the parents, uh, was his heart not beating or something there? He was unresponsive when he was born. And they saw that he didn't have any arms and that he was uh, malformed and all kinds of things. And they, the doctors asked the parents, do you want to you wanna save the baby or not? And, and his father rose up and said, well, yes. Praise God. And they, they, he grew up in that. He, he and his father, and he didn't let him be, what do you call it, just uh, dependent on them all the time. He taught him how to do the things that he could do on his own so he could be independent and live independently. And he was there, he was there teaching us on the stage barefooted and, you know, just because he had to be barefooted to eat the banquet meal that he had before he got up there. And it was just amazing testimony. Makes you feel like, man, what am I complaining about? This guy has, and, and he just does everything on his own, with his own two feet. And he can make his toes do what your fingers do. I can't, I can't believe it was awesome. Amen. But many people would have just allowed that kind of baby to just die. But he's got to look at look what he's doing. I mean, people are coming to Christ through his ministry and his. He goes into schools. He talks at schools. He goes all traveling all over the place. From what is it, North Carolina? Is where he's from? Somewhere, North Carolina. Yeah. I got to meet him, talk to him a little bit, and I told him he was very inspiring. Keep it up. You're doing good. What this shows uh, in this in talking about abortions here. What this shows is, is the degree to which men and women who have a philosophy of putting pleasure first are doing what they want to and then not worrying about the consequences even when it means killing an innocent unborn baby. And you know, uh, God's not mad at, at anyone who's had an abortion. He's not mad at, at anybody if you've had an abortion. God forgives you. God forgives you. He dealt with sin through His Son on the cross. He's full of mercy and grace toward you, but you must know that abortion is wrong. We all have to know abortion is wrong. And I was just seeing on Facebook the other day a post. People were going back and forth on a post about abortion. And this one lady said, well, somebody said to this one lady, well, abortion is just murder. You know, it's just murder. And this one lady chimed back in and says, well, yeah, I guess if you believe in God. So apparently she doesn't. See, that's their answer. And that's the truth, people. I have, you have to understand this. The world's opinion of abortion today is so loud because it comes from those who don't believe in God. They don't see it as murder. They see it as a convenience. This, that person, if that woman, they always cry out for the woman's choice. Let the woman have her choice. It's up to the woman. Who's going to speak for the, for the, who's going to be the voice for that baby? Is anybody, ever going, is anybody ever going to stand up for that baby? I am. That's life. And now that I, I can't even believe that a political party today 
is saying, it's okay to just let that baby, if it come, if it's born, just let put it over and let it die. What? What's what's in your minds? You know what's in their minds? A worldview, not a Christian worldview, but an ungodly worldview. That's why it's so important for you as a Christian to have a Christian worldview, because you see the wrong. You see the wrong in allowing a woman to just have her choice to do whatever she wants to do with her baby. Who's going to protect the unborn? We have to. We have to stand up for that. Amen? And I'll just tell you boldly out front right here, I will never, ever vote for a person who is for killing a baby at at any point. Never. Never. And you know what? I don't really care if they come and try to take my tax-exempt status away. We don't, we don't give for tax-exempt status anyway. We don't care. Come and take it. <laughs> Amen. Now, the truth is that much of the world's philosophy says if someone wants to have an abortion, what does that matter to me? And, you know, I used to think the same way. When I was a teenager, I can remember thinking the same way. Well, if that girl wants to have an abortion... It'll help her. It'll help her. She won't have to go through this. She's too young to have that baby. And all this and all. I used to think the same way. Till God changed my mind. Amen. I didn't know any better. You know, and that's what people always say. What does it hurt me if they get an abortion? What does it hurt? What does it have to do with me? That's them. That's, that's their. Or their lifestyle. What does that lifestyle have to do with me? If that's the way they want to live, that's okay. And you hear this every day about the culture that we live in today. If people want to live like that, that's their, that's their life. Let them do whatever they want to do. Well, they can. But I've got a right to stand up and say, no, God's going to kill you. <laughs> God's not, but the sin is. God's not going to kill you. I don't, that just came out. You can't, take, you can't take it back once it came out. But I am. God doesn't kill people today. People kill people. The devil kills people. Amen. <laughs> but we've got to think about this. Seriously think about this stuff. Yeah. As God's people, we know that not caring about others is not the way we as Christians are called to be. To just have the attitude of whatever they want to do is okay. Just... Just don't, just don't force me to say it's okay. But that's the wrong attitude. Amen. As long as it, you, for people to just say, as long as it doesn't affect me, let them do whatever they want. That's the wrong attitude for us as Christians to have. We can't bury our heads in the sand and just, and just think things will go away or get better. They won't. We've done that for years and years and years and it's just gotten worse. It's time for the church to speak out loud. It's, try, it's time for the church to be full of grace and truth. God so loved the world. And we should too. The title of my sermon today, Why Should We Care? Because God cares. And because God's given us His heart, we should care. When others are failing in life and suffering in their sin... We are to pray for them, share with them, lift them, encourage them, and help to bring truth to them, not judgment or condemnation. Matthew 9, 36-38 says, When He, Jesus, saw the crowds, He had compassion on them 
because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. You know, I had to ride back on the plane with being between two strangers, two guys. I was in between them. They both ordered beer. And I never heard of this beer, IPA. Y'all have, anybody ever heard of IPA? Where you been? <laughs> but it was something like a pale ale. Was it something like a pale ale? Anyway, but I was talking to them. They asked me, they asked me what I did. I told them, oh, I'm a pastor. Whoa. <laughs> no, they didn't. They drank it up. They didn't. They were real nice, and we talked. And we talked. Kim said, you talked the whole way back from Denver to, to Austin. I said, well, I was between two guys. I was going to let them know who I was and who he is. I talked about a lot of things. It wasn't just, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't trying to intimidate them in any way. But I just let them know. I, I told the guy, I said, oh, I quit drinking. You know, he asked me if I want one. I said, no, I quit drinking back in 1985. Quit drinking, smoking, everything, all that. I started living for God. Wow, that's pretty awesome. They were impressed by that. Amen. So uh, I just talked to them about the Lord and told them what we do and how we how our church is. They asked me about the church and all this. And the guy, one of the guys lives in El Paso. And I said, I know a pastor out there in El Paso, Charles Neiman. Pastors are big. Oh, yeah, I know that church. It's a big old church over there. They got about 15,000, 20,000 people in that church. So I said, yeah, I know that pastor. And, and I said, you ought to go over there and visit and just check it out. He says, I might do that. He told me he plays a French horn, this guy. I said, it's after 12. I've got to quit. Okay. But anyway, what I was saying, my point was that I talk to people. I, I don't just be quiet. You can't just be quiet. There are people everywhere you go. You go to the grocery store, there are people all around you. Unless you're, unless you're in a hurry and you don't have time to talk, you need to take your time, go to the store with your list, and just talk to people. And if they don't want to talk, then the next time they see you, they'll go down another aisle. Oh, there's that lady again. I'm going this way. Sometimes I do that. If I'm in a hurry, I'll just run, run, run through the aisle. And say, hey, you know, see people I know. Hey. But, but I generally talk to people everywhere I go. I just want to talk to them. I say, how how you doing? No, I, I just open the conversation and do it. Amen? Think about the woman at the well when Jesus approached her. He couldn't just say, hello, I need a drink. Because... He was walking in a spirit-led life, which what God wants for all of us, to walk in a spirit-led life. Let me see how far I'm I'm almost there. Listen, truest compassion is only found in the nature of God because only God knows the full depth of an individual's pain, his need or his suffering. Only God knows, and he works through us to minister to those people. Uh, Jesus, when he observed the crowds, had true compassion for them because he sensed their weaknesses and their brokenness. He knew what they needed. And the Holy Spirit will work through us to comfort the brokenhearted and the downtrodden as well. Uh, you know, develop that, that relationship so you can hear him say, that person needs an encouraging word today. Even here, even when you come to church. You know, when we have that time where we tell you to hug somebody around you before you sit in, sit down, you know. Even in that time, you ought to be praying because you know it's going to happen except for a day when we do communion. We don't really do it. But, but like next week, be praying before that happens, before, that, before I say go hug somebody. And when you do, 
Maybe God's got a word that you, He wants you to give somebody here. Not a big prophetic word, but an encouraging word. Amen? Amen. To encourage them. Ever, you never know when somebody just needs an encouraging word. God loves working through us. He sees beyond the circumstances of life and compassionately relates to the lost, the hurting, the needy, and the distressed. All of us can share what God has done for us. That's your testimony. We can all live a spirit-filled life and be ready to help others who need this wonderful good news of Jesus Christ. I want everybody to know it. Amen? The Word of God is true. The Bible isn't just another book. It's not just another book. It is the living Word of Jesus. Amen? It's God. It's a supernatural book through which God speaks to us. And once you get into the true Word of God and allow the Holy Spirit to instruct you, you'll see that it's the greatest revelation the world has ever been given. The Bible is a tremendous gift from God that contains the greatest philosophy known. And if you base your life upon the Word, your life upon the Word, you'll get supernatural results. I guarantee you. Amen. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, why should we care? We should care because you care. Help us to understand that, Lord. You, you want to work through us to become all that you need on this earth. We're your hands and feet. You so want to set people free that, are, that we pass by and walk around every day. You so want to set them free. Help us to be bold and become bold in our faith and, and what you've done in our lives to just share with people. We can do that, Lord. Help us to do that. Uh, give us boldness to take your word to the world that we live in. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. Next week we're going we're gonna to talk. We're going to get a little deeper in this. And I'm, I'm still building the foundation. Uh, so when we get to the place where we're going to deal with some of the cultural issues, that you'll be full of the, the grace and truth that God has so you can receive it. Amen. Amen. All right. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, we had two that accepted it this morning right here at the communion table. Amen. That's awesome. And we just want to, everybody needs to be saved. Everybody needs to have Jesus. And then we go on from there. We grow.